0: So as Eric just mentioned, in between those last two songs, we've been in a three-part series on our mission at King's Church. This morning, we're looking at enjoying Christ. Our mission is to equip disciples who enjoy Christ and evangelize the lost. Last week, we looked at a passage in 2 Timothy where Paul is writing to his son in the faith, encouraging him to remember to hold to the model, the example that Paul set for him. And then he also said it's all grounded. Everything you've believed, everything I've taught, the way you've been equipped is by the word of God, this God-breathed scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16. And he says that it's profitable. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be mature, complete, equipped for every good work. So that's what we looked at last week. We want to be a people that are equipped. So we want, to, we want to be on this journey of being equipped, but we also want to equip as well. We want to equip our families. We want to equip our brothers and sisters in Christ. We want to equip disciples that we engage with throughout the week. We want to be equipped. I hope you were encouraged last week. I hope you were challenged last, last week. This week, we're going to zoom in on enjoying Christ enjoying Christ. As we look around our culture, as we look around our world, as we look around our at our coworkers, right? There's probably some happiness that we see in their lives, but those apart from Jesus cannot truly have joy. There's a lack of joy in our world. People seek for joy. They look for joy in all the wrong places. They look for joy in their jobs, where they're climbing This ladder of success. If I get this raise, if I get this position, that'll bring me joy. People are looking for joy in family, right? If I have the right spouse, right? Then my life would be made complete and I would be joyful. People are looking for joy in just success in everyday life. People are looking for joy in other relationships. People are looking for, for joy by washing away the pain through drugs and alcohol. You see, these things, money as well, let's not, let's not forget money. You know, money's a big one, right? If I have this much money in the bank account, I will be joyful. My life will be complete. You see, these things that many times we search for and hope, they find, hope we find joy there they can provide temporary happiness, but they can be quickly gone as well. Y'all know this, as we, one of the tools that we use for sharing the gospel with people is the three circles, right? The second circle that we normally look at is brokenness. And we talk about this, right? Like these things that people seek to fix their lives to find joy will eventually crumble because they're not meant to bring joy. Everlasting joy. Unfortunately, for us in the church, many times the same things that the world looks at for joy is the same thing we're seeking for joy. Instead of looking at Jesus for our joy. See, the world and the way that many in our churches seek joy is not not the way it should be. It's not the way it should be. Jesus, in John 15, verse 11, as he has been encouraging his disciples, really exhorting his disciples. Hey, disciples, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me. Abide in me. Abide in me. And then verse 11, this is what he says. This is the reason. That my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus promises his joy to those who abide in him. And he says we'll have full joy, complete joy in him. One commentator on this verse says, the joy that Jesus wishes to impart is no temporary drowning of sorrows. Sometimes we're like, man, I just want my sorrows to disappear, to dissipate. This isn't a temporary drowning of sorrows, however, but a permanent Deep-rooted delight that can be experienced in the midst of troubles by remaining in his love and by loving others. And in typical John fashion or formula, this joy is meant to be full or complete. That's the joy we're promised. That's the joy that is given to followers of Christ. John Piper defines joy as a good feeling in the soul produced by the Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ that's where it comes from us seeing the beauty of Christ today in Luke 19 we're going to see a man who experienced this deep joy that comes from seeing the beauty of Christ our passage today is Luke 19:1 through 10 you are going to be familiar with this passage Our big idea before we read this passage, our big idea is enjoy Christ. Enjoy Christ as he seeks and saves the lost. Enjoy Christ as he seeks and saves the lost. If you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you to pick one up in the pew in front of you. It's on page 825. I want to read Luke 19, 1 to 10, and then we're going to pray. Luke 19, 1 to 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up in a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I'm to stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Let me, let me read verse 10 one more time cuz this is a good verse. This is like one of those amen verses, right? For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word, we need your spirit. We need your help. God, would you give us understanding of this text? Father, we, we know it's narrative, it's story, but oh, it's, it's beautiful. God, would, would you allow us to, to set our eyes on Jesus today? Lord, would we see that he is the son of man who came to seek and save the lost? And Father, through seeing that, God, would you allow us to have great joy in Christ and allow that joy to overflow into others around us so that we may see more disciples made, we may see... More leaders raised up we may see more churches planted. we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. amen So our passage today begins with Jesus it says he's, he's passing through right He entered Jericho and, and was passing through so, so he's just he's on a journey. that's what Jesus does. in, in a few weeks we're going to start the Gospel of Mark and, and Jesus has so many people waiting to be healed and be taught and he's like That's not what I was called to do. I was called to keep going. I was called to keep moving. So that's what he's doing here. He's he's passing through Jericho. And then we're introduced to a rich man, a rich man named Zacchaeus. He was despised by those in his city. He cheated people. He stole from people. He extorted people. Zacchaeus was a man that no one cared for. We're told he was the chief tax collector in Jericho. One pastor commenting on this, he said he didn't become the chief tax collector because he worked harder than everyone else. He probably rose to that rank by being more crooked than other tax collectors who often cheated people out of their earnings. This is the man that we're introduced to. You know, a lot of us grew up hearing the song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he, right? That's all we know from the song. You know, we're thinking, oh, he's like a he 's like a little small dude he 's probably he 's probably awesome to be around. no the people didn 't like him. He stole from them he 's got a terrible reputation and he 's rich. He was the chief tax collector and he was rich yet there's a there's another quality of Zacchaeus that stands out here. He wanted to see Jesus he wanted to see Jesus he had heard about this man who was Going through each town, preaching, and doing amazing things, but there was a problem. He was a wee little man, small in stature, so he couldn't see over the crowds. And this, these crowds definitely wouldn't let him go up. They'd have blocked him because they wouldn't want him to be to be moving up. They didn't care for him. So, Zacchaeus didn't let that stop him. Although he was short, he climbed up in a sycamore tree. I forgot to put the sycamore tree on the PowerPoint, unfortunately, but you should Google it. Maybe after the service. I'm, you can Google it now if you want. But a sycamore tree, man, I, I looked it up. It looks like a really fun tree to climb. It's got lower branches so, you know, you can just move right on up it. So I think Zacchaeus, even though he was robed, even though he was, you know, he, he was, his status was on the line, he, you know, his robe didn't stop him. He didn't let his reputation stop him from seeking to see Jesus, right? He's, he's doing the same thing the kids would have been doing, climbing these trees. He wants to see Jesus. I think there's a, there's a couple of characteristics of Zacchaeus, his life, that I think are, are worth um, imitating for us. The, the first one, and what it says in verse 3, is that he was seeking to see who Jesus was. I want to encourage you today, believer or unbeliever, seek to see Jesus. Seek to see Jesus. Zacchaeus models this. He didn't allow his stature, he didn't allow his reputation, he didn't allow his status, he didn't allow his robes to prevent him from seeking to see Jesus. Um, You may be sitting here thinking, I'm a believer. I've, I see, I've seen Jesus. Jesus has redeemed me. He saved me. But I think there's a necessity each and every day for us to seek to see Jesus. Hebrews 12, verse 2. You see, Hebrews 11 introduces us to all these men and women of the faith. Just, just faithful brothers and sisters who, who had their eyes set on something greater than this world. And then the writer of the Hebrews, what he does in, in verse 1, he says, he says, hey, um, get rid of all this baggage. Get rid of all this sin. Get rid of all this weight that you're carrying. He says the way to do that is to look to Jesus. He says, set your gaze. Look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Yes, believer, this, this, is, this is okay. We, we need to seek to see Jesus. It's how we combat sin. It's how we run the race with endurance. It's how we grow in our walk with Christ. But here specifically in verse 3, Zacchaeus doesn't know Jesus yet, yet he's seeking to see Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, this is the only way to find hope, joy, and peace in this life. You see, Zacchaeus was running after the enticements of the world. He was rich and had everything he needed, yet he was lost. He had heard about a man, so he went to see that man. I encourage us, believers, unbelievers, let's, let's, let's imitate Zacchaeus here. Let's seek to see Jesus. Jesus passes by the tree. says, Jesus came to the place. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, he knows my name. <laughs> he knows my name. They'd never met, but Jesus knew his name. Jesus said, come down, for I must come to your house today. I must come to your house today. See, Jesus wanted to be with Zacchaeus. Jesus pursued this wee little tax collector. How did Jesus know his name? Had Jesus heard about him? Hey, Jesus, when you go to Jericho, you're going to see this little short guy. That's Zacchaeus. He's hated by all. Stay clear of him. I don't think so. I think, again, the Gospels introduce us from Matthew to John. They introduce us to Jesus, the Son of God. They introduce us to the God-man who came to earth to be with us. He was made human, yet he was still God. He knows all. And here he uses that knowledge to pursue a man who was hated by his community and looked down upon by his own people. So what is the response of Zacchaeus? He, he now is in the presence, right? He's in the presence of the man he'd heard about. He's in the presence of, of the man he was seeking to see. And this man, he walks by this tree and he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, come down for I'm coming to your house today. I must come to your house today. It says, Zacchaeus hurriedly came down the tree. And this is what he did. He says he received him joyfully. This is the only response to the Son of God. This is the only response to Jesus, the one who knows your name. Receive, receive him joyfully. Receive him joyfully. He hurried down and received Jesus joyfully. The one he sought to see he knows him by name. Can you imagine the joy that overcame Zacchaeus in that moment? Let's just let's just bring it to modern day. Your your favorite athlete calls you out in the middle of a game. Right? Hey Manny, come come play soccer with me next time you're you're at a Charlotte. Football club game. <laughs> hey, hey, Chad, come lace up with LeBron James. Oh, come on. <laughs> you know, like, this is, this is how, I, how I feel Zacchaeus would have felt. Your favorite musician calling you up on stage during a concert. Your favorite world leader inviting themselves to your house. Zacchaeus is joyful. He receives Jesus joyfully. But then we see contrast here, right? We see a contrast. But the people, the people grumble. The crowd grumbles. How can Jesus go into the house of a sinner? What? If he is who he said he is, and if, he, if he's truly the, the son of God, how can he go in to be a guest of a man who's a sinner? Underneath that, I think this is what was actually happening. What about me, Jesus? What about my family? Why, why are you not showing me attention? Would you feel this way if Jesus was to save your worst enemy, a criminal? They grumble, but it doesn't stop Jesus or deter Zacchaeus. The world, religious people here, they wanted Jesus' attention. They wanted to be known, but what they actually resemble is the Pharisee in Luke 18, 9 to 12. So just, just flip over one page with me and look at how this Pharisee speaks to God as he prays. Jesus is telling a parable. He sa- it says in verse 9, He also told this par- parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. See, he's standing. He's standing. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this, tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. You see, this is the Pharisee's response, right? Right? This is the response of these people. They're grumbling because they see Jesus caring for the tax collector instead of them. They wanted to be with Jesus. But they wanted to be with him because of his reputation, the applause of the crowd, to continue to build up their status and power. They don't see their need. But as we we continue on, we see Zacchaeus, understood his need, and then, this is incredible, this this joy that he received when he met Jesus is now turned into action, right? He receives him joyfully, but then what we see is is Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold here, here we see true repentance and belief from Zacchaeus. He moves to action. Meeting Jesus moves him to, to works. Joy turns to generosity. He once stole from people and now he gives generously. Ephesians 4.28 talks about this. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Zacchaeus' his hands are now open. Where he once stole, now he's giving back. How has the gospel changed your life? Has it made you more generous? Do you meet the needs of others? In the mornings, right now, as, as a family, we've been reading through Acts. And just a couple of days ago, we were reading through Acts 2. And, and we know in Acts 2, the gospel's preached. Um, people believe 3,000 are added to their numbers. And then in Acts two forty two to 47, what happens is, is really we see the early church gathering together and they devote themselves to some things. But then what really stood out was they were meeting one another's needs. As needs were coming up, they were meeting those needs. How has the gospel changed your life? Zacchaeus here, he realizes <clears throat> that Jesus is the great treasure buried in the field that's worth selling all and following. Salvation has come to his house. He's been brought into the family of God. He's called a son of Abraham. In Luke's gospel, this story of Zacchaeus stands in stark contrast to another man we meet in chapter 18. Both are rich. Both seek to see Jesus, yet their responses to Jesus are polar opposites. Luke eighteen eighteen to 30 gives us a snapshot, a picture of, a, of this rich young ruler. And a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one's good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, all these I've kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. See the contrast, right? Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, was rich. He sought Jesus. Jesus came to him, and he received him joyfully. The rich young ruler seeks to see Jesus, but his response is opposite. Jesus says, great, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and come and follow me. Luke tells us that this rich young ruler departs and he's sad. He's sad for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? But he said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. You see, in our passage today, God has done the impossible in the life of Zacchaeus. The rich man has entered the kingdom of God. Yes, it's impossible for man, but it's possible with God. Today, Today, the impossible can happen in your life. If you're running after the world, if you're consumed with worldly things, there's hope. There's hope. Jesus calls you to come and follow him. This call may come with go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and come and follow me. But it's completely worth it because there's no greater joy. Jesus is better. Jesus is more worthy. And in our final verse, in verse 10, we see really what, what one, one commentator said is the epitome of the message of this gospel. It is Luke's gospel summed up in a verse. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus has come to seek and save the the lost We see this in the life of Zacchaeus. This language seek and save is one of, of a shepherd seeking his sheep. Jesus seeks those who are lost. Jesus saves those he seeks. This morning I exhort you to recognize your lostness before a holy God. You see if you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, your sin, your sin separates you from the savior of the world, yet through his death and resurrection, he's made a way for you to be reconciled. That's why he's, it's possible for him to seek and save. This morning, I encourage you to seek the seeker of your soul and, found, and find salvation. Just as Zacchaeus received Jesus with joy, And the man who found the treasure in the field sold all he had to buy the field with joy. There's joy for you today. There's joy for us today. Let us enjoy Christ, for he seeks and saves the lost. See, the scriptures, they don't speak about Zacchaeus anymore. But church history tells us some interesting things about Zacchaeus tells us that Zacchaeus continued faithfully in the growth and nurture of the Lord. He served Christ to the end of his life with distinction, being elevated ultimately to the role of Bishop of Caesarea. Isn't that an incredible testimony? This this little man calmed up in a sycamore tree and the Lord came and, and saved him. Jesus sought him and saved him. It's an incredible testimony of one who was lost but now is found. Next week, as we continue our mission series, we're gonna look at another life that Jesus sought and saved in Acts 26. And we'll conclude our mission series with the call on our lives to evangelize the lost, where we'll imitate and model what Christ has done in verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Let's pray. Father, we give you praise. We thank you for, for Jesus, for the God-man coming to earth to take care of our sin, to take our death. Lord, we give you praise that he, he's not in the grave any longer, but he was raised on the third day, showing that he is victorious, that he truly is the Son of God who came to seek and save the lost. Father, we we pray that we would find great joy in Jesus today. And Father, we also pray that we would be faithful to tell people about him. Pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, over the next um, five minutes.